This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and I almost paused in the middle of the show opening intro thing, but I kept going. And this week we are talking about roasted vegetables. Wow, what happened to your mouth when you did I, that? Well, I thought I thought I, I had this feeling Ooh. like like wow, things are going so smoothly with the opening. This isn't <laughs> going to be like one of those weeks where we forget that we've been doing the show for seventeen years or whatever. Yeah, but then things went horribly awry, and yeah. I didn't know how to respond. Yeah. Okay. Well, so today we're talking about roasted vegetables, which is a topic suggested by Mm. host Molly and Mm -hmm. host Matthew, Mm. because we realized that we've never talked about roasted vegetables as a category. And it's something that I eat and cook multiple times a week. Yeah, me too. How are we going to keep this episode from being 200 minutes long? Mm, I think we can do it. Okay. Okay. Although, wow, I am looking at the agenda and it's a little out of control. (laughs) Whoops. Okay. So roasted vegetables. Let's go down memory lane. Mm-hmm. Did you did you roast as a child or were were roasted vegetables provided to you? They were provided to me. And it seems to me that roasted vegetables as a general concept, like and here when I say roasted vegetables, I mean like the idea of roasted vegetables first came to me as like a, a concept of that involved like many vegetables at one time. Mm-hmm. I think when my parents first started roasting vegetables, it wasn't just like, let's roast a tray of broccoli. It was usually a mixture of bell pepper, usually like strips of red bell pepper, zucchini, summer squash, and sometimes eggplant. And these things would all show up together. Sounds sounds almost like a a teon or, yeah. Yeah. Right? So... I remember this idea of like roasted vegetables, plural. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this was like sometime in the 90s. And yeah, in general, we didn't roast things like broccoli or turnips. It, it was those kind of Mediterranean like ratatouille vegetables and or potatoes. And I feel like there, yeah, there was like at that time, like you could be at a restaurant and have like order like a side of roasted vegetables. That sounds and it, right. And it would be like, you know, whatever, whatever, like our assortment, seasonal vegetable assortment is. Yes. And I think that my parents tended to roast things at 400, maybe 375. Sure. 
Three, Certainly not hotter than that. 375 was a big oven temperature in the 80s, I think. It was. It was. Um, my parents also got into roasted beets for a while. This was after... Mm. I feel like roasted beets and roasted potatoes were the first single vegetable roasting endeavors. I definitely remember roasted household. potatoes. Like I I didn't put anything down for memory lane because I just kind of don't remember. Like my, my memory lane really starts like after I was already an adult and like roasted Brussels sprouts and roasted cauliflower came on my radar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably in the early days of e-gullet. Yeah. Um, the idea that like you're you're supposed to like you know, blast these things with a lot of heat and uh, and put on a lot of olive oil, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which I still do very frequently to this day. Mm-hmm. Well, OK, I'm going to stop eating for a second. Okay. Matthew, don't eat all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've just been eating all of it while you were talking, mm-hmm. but leave me some. So when we decided to do this episode, the first thing I thought of was two words. Barbara Kafka. Yes, and I had forgotten about this, but then as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, the roasting book. I had so much fun researching Barbara Kafka. Okay, so everybody, let's just go back a little bit before Barbara Kafka just for a second. So, I mean, roasting obviously has been around for probably as long as humans have made like enclosed oven type things. Sure. Right? How long is that? I don't know. Uh, Because roasting is an oven method. Yes. Right? So uh, anyway, roasting is not a new cooking method, but it sort of burst onto like the 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 main stage of American home cooking mm-hmm. in the nineties. Yeah, I have been checking the main stage in my kitchen like <laughs> daily, hoping something new will burst, burst out, onto burst it. onto yeah. it, and it hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, well, um, I guess the instant pot <laughs> burst. Yeah, the instant pot burst onto yeah. the scene. Yeah. Oh, now there's a scene. Oh, there's, sorry. Uh, on the stage, there are cooking techniques performing a scene. Makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. So Barbara Kafka was a American food writer. She wrote a column in Gourmet Magazine for a long time called The Opinionated Cook. Okay. I think she was, I mean, she was certainly a contemporary of James Beard. I believe she was friends with him. That makes sense. Uh, I mean, you know, she was like one of those. She's one of, I think, many people who were as influential on American cooking as Julia Child and James Beard and Craig Claiborne, but nobody really talks about Barbara Kafka the same way. It was weird that one week when she devoted her column to a story about how she woke up as a as giant a insect. Yeah. yeah, that was super weird. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so Barbara Kafka was known for like provocative ideas about cooking. So her sort of like, uh, she made this big splash in 1987 with a book called Microwave Gourmet. I remember this too. Yeah. Her next book, or maybe it wasn't her next book, But the next big splash she made was eight years later in 1995 when she published a book called Roasting. Did it have a a, a subtitle like Roasting the Simple Art or something like that? Yes. Okay. Yes. According to the Washington Post, so I read a lot of articles that came out around the time that Roasting was published. And I love what the Washington Post said. Okay. Here, I'll read verbatim. Kafka spotted the symptoms of grilling burnout among cooks and restaurants (laughs) and the beginnings of a comeback for that other age-old cooking technique, 
roasting. Menus across the country were beginning to tout roasted vegetables and wood-roasted meats, and Kafka herself knew that one of her most popular recipes with home cooks was for a chicken roasted at an unusually high heat, even if it did at times set off the smoke alarm. And that unusually high heat was 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, what Barbara Kafka pioneered was a slingshot to send food to the surface of the the sun. sun, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, but okay. So Barbara Kafka somehow uh, (laughs) diagnosed grilling burnout Mm -hmm. among cooks and restaurants. And so in 95, what she did, I think... What's the differential diagnosis for grilling burnout? So basically, she, I think, I think she was really a good, like, trend spotter. Oh, absolutely. Even if the trend was not something that was, like, looked upon fondly by... Like fancy cooks. Yeah, Yeah. like microwave cooking. Right. Don't think I've ever said that word before. Cognoscenti. She published Roasting, and it made a big splash, not because roasting is so interesting or so new, but because, like, the main thing that she did was, like, advocate for using high heat. And we're talking Mm -hmm. here 500 degrees. So pretty much all the recipes in the book, of which there are like 200, they use a 500 degree oven. She has you set the oven rack at like various heights for various things. But generally the recipes have you use a 500 degree oven. And she even recommends as like a matter of course, opening a window and disabling the firearm before you be the fire alarm before you begin. I feel like some of the roasting I do today is definitely influenced by Barbara Kafka. Okay, well, hold on. More on that in just a second. Would you say that we're going to put Kafka's ideas about roasting on trial? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Wow. You, wow. I don't think I can think of another Kafka I think work. You've, you've done beautifully. Okay. Um, so Barbara Kafka, her, you know, she was like evangelical about this idea of, of roasting. And to her, this meant... 500 degree Mm -hmm. oven and she asserted rightly that the high dry heat would caramelize the surface of the food resulting in like a a beautifully browned crust and good texture and that it would also trap the juices inside Mm -hmm. which i think that part's a little bit questionable but the the crust for sure and then also her like foods cooked much faster yeah so this was kind of revolutionary you know i mean now I think that a lot of people cook their Thanksgiving turkeys at a fairly high heat. I don't know. I've never made a turkey. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So when I was, you know, a young kid, I remember it being something that would happen in like a 325 oven and it would take hours and hours and hours. I don't remember the last time we cooked a turkey that way. Now it is always like over 400 degrees. Okay. Yeah. And it's... I don't know, like two hours or something. But this is all influenced by Barbara Kafka, the idea that you would use high heat for a short period of time. Okay, I like it. Uh, Now, Julia Child fucking hated this idea. Wow. Yeah, okay. So uh, in an article from the New York Times, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. This is from early 1996. I'm going to read this article, or the the opening of the article. Barbara Kafka, now 62, and as opinionated, articulate, and elegant as ever apparently she would wear like designer clothes and like okay. not wear an apron and stuff oh that's risky mm-hmm. so as opinionated articulate and elegant as ever is on the telephone 
Listen, dear, she says, I'm coming over to your house and we're going to roast six turkeys until we get it right. Wow. For weeks, we have been discussing her controversial turkey recipe in which the whole big bird is cooked at 500 degrees in about half the usual time. For those who've had success with this method, the blast of heat treatment produces a moist and succulent turkey with a crisp mahogany brown skin. For others, it creates a kitchen full of billowing smoke, a pan of spitting fat and a dark mood. Who wrote this article? Uh, um, I'll look it up. While yeah, you look read. it up. Uh, I think Suzanne Hamlin, okay. I believe, was the author. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I'm not done. Okay. I hate it. I just hate it, said Julia Child, the doyenne of American cooking, speaking from her kitchen in Cambridge, Mass. All that smoke. And then you can't really tell if the bird is done. So, <laughs> good yeah, good yeah, Julia Child yeah, impression. Julia hated this. Was I right? Suzanne Hamlin? I love what a shit stirrer the author of this article was. Mm-hmm. Suzanne Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Now, did <laughs> wait the the title of the article is "Where There's Smoke, There May Be a Turkey." Brilliant. <laughs> um, so, did Barbara Kafka like invite herself over to Suzanne Hamlin's house and bring six turkeys? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You know, I kind of I kind of cherry picked honestly. Okay, from, you know, down the article. Anyway, so okay. I'm afraid now that like. If we talk about this, someone I know Barbara Kafka has passed, but maybe what, yes. what if you know one of her uh, you know proteges is going to just appear with a bunch of turkeys and just ruin my kitchen? You know, I should say that. Uh, my gosh, I can't remember who it is. Um, oh, I believe it's Molly Stevens wrote a book, um, mm. like a a roasting version of all about braising. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I don't have it, or else I would have looked at that. I wonder yeah, if same. she's a Barbara Kafka protege. She might be a protege. Yeah, she might hate us now. But I, I like you, Molly Stevens. Please don't hate me. Anyway, okay, Matthew, so for you, what's the difference between roasting and baking? Oh, this is a good question. So I think, first of all, like you wouldn't use roasting for like baked goods, like a bread or a... a... So why is that? What is roasting then? Hmm... Because, mm-hmm. like, I do I, – I think part of it, like, has to be tied to, like, what is the product you're producing because there is absolutely no difference between, like, how I roast vegetables and how I bake bread. You know, they're both mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. in a high oven until the thing is well browned, right? Yes, yes. Um, but you would not call you, – uh, you don't say, you like, I'm, say roast, roasting I'm roasting a loaf bread. of sourdough because people <laughs> – Again, like people already think that that I'm from another planet because of the ketchup thing last week. And mm-hmm. like if I said I was roasting a bread. Yeah, that would be beyond the pale. You know, so what things what things do we always say are roasted? Like because because a baked potato is one thing and roasted potatoes are a totally a different, different thing. thing. So roasting like you're trying to produce a crusty result and it's not a bread. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, as a like a baseline, I think we could say that roasting is a higher temperature endeavor, yeah, right? I than think baking. So. Yeah. I think that roasting is about a bit of char. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the first things that came up when I Googled roasted vegetables just to see what would happen is you know mm. how Google suggests like questions that people ask about whatever your search oh, yes. terms are? I love these. The first question was, why is roasting or why are roasted vegetables bad for you? And I was like, <laughs> what is wrong with people? God. And then, of course, I clicked on it to see. 
And, you know, the, the culprit is charring. Uh, uh, PSA, roasting vegetables is not bad for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We're all going to die at some point. Uh-huh. And in the meantime, we might as well eat food that is nicely browned. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Except I'm going to live forever. We're, yeah, me too. Um, th- yeah, this show this show has already, uh, like, Far exceeded is basically its immortal. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, so yeah, I think of roasting as something that is done at a high temperature and, and, you know, we can talk about what that means to us, but the goal is also color. Yeah, definitely. Color and uh, maybe this goes without saying, but like, uh, you know, you want the juices to be removed to an extent. You don't want your stuff to be like, you know, dried up. But like part of what makes roasted vegetables great is that you are taking water out of them yes, and concentrating, concentrating the, flavor. the flavor. But when you think about something like if you were doing a a a, a beef like some sort of roast, yeah, but right. We're, but we're not talking about we're not roast talking beef. about that. Okay. So Matthew, what's your? Oh, I see. I made a typo here on the agenda. What's, what's your baking roast? Oh, I thought that was a little joke. No. What's your basic roasting method? Ah, okay. My roasting method. I usually. Uh, set the oven to 450. Okay. Um, not for literally everything, but for the most part, for most of the vegetables we're going to talk about, I will do olive oil most of the time, unless I'm going to be using seasoning with soy sauce or fish sauce, in which case I'll use vegetable oil or canola oil. Mm-hmm. I like quite a bit of oil. Mm-hmm. And then I just like, you know, roast it till it's done. Mm. Um, I didn't mean to say bake. Don't at me. <laughs> I do pretty much the same thing. I tend to use a 425 oven for no particular reason. Yeah, that's a good temp. Um, but I've sort of gotten used to it. Like I know, we, so we roast broccoli, if not once a week, uh, uh, two or three times a week. I mean, yeah. we, we eat a lot of roasted broccoli same. in my household. And I always do roasted broccoli at 425 and it almost always takes exactly 15 minutes. Yeah, that sounds right. I will do... At, at 4.50, sometimes it's done before that, but I like I like mine like really frizzled. I made this one a little, I, I held back a little bit on this one because I didn't want to uh, over brown the turnips I think that, that I was roasting at the same time. I think time. you're also using a tiny bit more oil than I do, but you know what? Like to me, it, it, it's, it tastes different and is equally delicious to what I do. Like mine doesn't leave a little, yours ha- has left a little puddle of olive mm-hmm. oil in the bottom of the bowl. Yeah, I, I think I, I used a little more oil than I usually do on this batch. I don't know why. I usually, you know, I love, so I love what it's like to toss something like roasted broccoli mm-hmm. with oil because you can, like it starts to change color right away. I don't know if it's like whatever it is that like makes people get excited about massaging kale. Oh yeah, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> but so I But I, I mean I think I think what get, makes people excited about massaging kale is is just like a sexual fetish. Of course. I that's what Which I we meant. highly that's approve what I of. Yes. I have a bit of a sexual thing going on with roasted broccoli. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, who doesn't? Do you mean like when, I when mean you're tossing the way that it with it oil? It starts to change color before like you under even your roast hand. It. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the color gets brighter. Yep. Uh, and I'm looking for every piece to be like nicely coated. Yeah, definitely. Um, usually with no additional oil at the bottom of the bowl. Yeah. 
and I salt it while it's in the bowl so I can toss it. No, excuse me. I salt mine on the sheet pan. I salt mine in the bowl. Okay. All right. And I always use olive oil because I pretty much never do anything with the roasted vegetables other than just eat them. I was going to ask you about that. Like, do you ever, do you ever like, you know, glaze or sauce or use spices or herbs? Nope. Okay. I rarely do, but sometimes, like, sometimes uh, I like a little cumin, like with a, with a potato or a sweet potato. (sighs) That's real good. You know, Melissa Clark has this like now age old recipe that is roasted broccoli with shrimp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know that one? Yes, I do. And it uses cumin, I think coriander, maybe a tiny bit of cayenne Yeah, that's good stuff. uh, Lemon. But that may be the only time that I use flavoring. And there is a recipe that's a real favorite in my family that is uh, a roasted delicata squash recipe from a friend of the show, Jess Thompson, one of her cookbooks. And you you cut fairly thick slices of of like scooped out delicata squash, and uh, then mix them with uh, uh, like maple syrup, cumin, cayenne, and butter, mm. um, and uh, and salt, and uh, and like roasted just to like barely cooked through and really caramelized. Actually, you know what? I'm I'm realizing that I lied just oh, a second oh no. ago, Matthew. Oh no! Uh, I love when I am roasting turnips in particular, which we'll talk about in just a second. I really like to put a little bit of maple syrup on mm-hmm. them before I roast them along with the olive oil. And then sometimes Sounds like a delicious they, lie. And then sometimes when they come out of the oven, I will put on like a little bit of Aleppo pepper or oh, nice. you know, something like that to give them like a little bit of like almost like a warmth yeah. in your mouth. And I do also like to use a little bit of maple syrup on my roasted Brussels sprouts before oh, I put those in the oven. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I like tossing Brussels sprouts like with with uh, like fish sauce and something a little sweet and something hot. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. <laughs> uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet. You, totally allowed. Oh, I love this. And, oh, I see. They even have special pet items you yep. can use. And they have the built-in Alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier <laughs> when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm-hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see nobody, that. Nobody. Yeah. So like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Something we haven't mentioned is that 
in roasting, well, I mean, any kind of cooking, really, but I think in roasting... Um, in roasting is truth. It is really important to ha- to really think about how you want to cut up whatever Absolutely. it is. Let's talk about cutting things up. Yes. So when I cut up my broccoli for roasted broccoli, I like to leave a really long stem on it. Oh, interesting. I buy a crown that still has a stem on it, and I cut off probably like four inches of the stem. But then I like to have a floret with a, a nice length of stem attached. That sounds appealing. Maybe I usually like don't two do or three it that inches way. of stem but like if there's a if there's a length of stem i will peel that and cut it into chunks yes. and roast that along with oh, that's it that's so really good. good that's like june's favorite part yeah it's good stuff okay what about cauliflower cauliflower makes a huge difference how you cut it before you roast it i cut mine into like half inch slices mm-hmm. and like remove like the core part mm, i don't remove the core why do I do that? Why it probably, do you do that? It probably roasts up the same, doesn't it? Does, it does, yeah. Okay, I won't it's do like that anymore. It's like the stem anymore. of broccoli. Yeah, and then like put a lot of olive oil on it. And so it usually winds up, at least for me, being, you know, a few a few slices and then a whole bunch of like little Absolutely. rubble and shards. And I like that they get cooked to different degrees. Yeah. You know, I have found that roasted cauliflower takes much longer than other things to roast. Um, I think it takes less time than turnips. I feel like 15 minutes really? works. God, I did time, some yeah. last week and I feel like it was like 35 minutes. I tried not to crowd it on the pan, but I do think that one, you know, good size head of cauliflower is like too much for a yeah, pan. Yeah, I, w- I will do half a half a good oh, size. Oh, okay. Head. Then yeah, that's, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, mine's steaming too much. Okay, what about? Do you think I have a good size head? I do. Thanks. I do. What about cabbage? Oh, okay. I'm so glad you asked. I don't know where I got this idea from because, like, I read it as a recipe. I'm like, mm, this sounds like my kind of thing, and it is. For cabbage, I will do it kind of the same way as cauliflower. I usually do a little lower oven for cabbage because I feel like if I do it at 450, it's gonna it's gonna blacken before it's as cooked as I would like. So I will do maybe 400 for cabbage. Cut into half inch. Slices. Slices, try and kind of keep the slices together, brush them with a bunch of olive oil, and uh, then just roast them till they're really nice and charred, uh, especially on the on the part that's touching the pan. And then I will chop the chop it up after that a little bit. Oh. Uh, and usually toss it with some lemon juice. Interesting. Salt okay. and pepper. I usually cut mine thinner than that mm-hmm. and let the, you know, the slices fall apart. So basically, I'm roasting shredded cabbage, essentially, okay. uh, either purple or green, although I think I prefer purple. And I just roast it with olive oil and salt. And then often we'll have it like if we're having a rice bowl, like, you yeah. know, some sort of just steamed rice with a fried egg on top and a variety of condiments. I think that like that kind of frizzled, shredded cabbage yeah, is so, so good. good. Hey, keep keep so, calling out vegetables. I'm loving okay, this. Okay, so turnips. Talk about how you did your turnips. Okay, so I am not a big fan of roasting big turnips. Yeah. I would rather eat them like sautéed or raw. Okay. Um, But the little turnips, like the Japanese-style turnips, love roasting them. And so I just uh, – like trimmed off the the greens. You can like roast or saute the greens. I'm not a big tur- turnip greens person, honestly. I love turnip greens. Um, and then I cut the little turnips in half and toss them with olive oil and roasted them. They take a little longer. Those t- those went like 25 minutes at 425. And did you did you toss them? I tossed them once, yeah. Because they were very nicely, like evenly golden. And then I like a little rice vinegar on them. Okay. 
Oh, that was so, so good. Um, yeah, I love I love how a roasted turnip is like juicy. Yes. I know. The inside truly becomes like a pulp it, in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> good pulp. <laughs> yeah, forget I said that. Uh, asparagus. Do you like roasted asparagus? Love it. My child adores roasted asparagus. And for roasted asparagus, I will go the full Kafka. I like it roasted 10 minutes at 500. Oh, okay. I usually up the oven to 450. Okay. I'll try 500. I mean, I've got to feel like if Barbara Kafka was, were still with us, she would really appreciate that I that I used you her. You just said the full Kafka. The full Kafka. Um, you know, I think you're right about going the full Kafka with that because what I do notice about my roasted asparagus is it doesn't get at all crispy. Well, and the thing with asparagus is it turns to mush if mm-hmm. you if you roast it too long, and so you if you want to get some good color on it, it's got to be hot. Yeah, and. My favorite thing to do with roasted asparagus is asparagus in bed. You roast the asparagus with a, with a good amount of olive oil. Then you just put it in your bed. <laughs> then, you, then you sleep on it. <laughs> I mean, you think asparagus pee smells strongly? Yeah. You should smell Matthew after, after he's after had our, asparagus in bed. Which I do every night. Um, <laughs> then you put a fried egg on it, a sunny side up fried egg. And in then your you, bed. In, in my bed, and then I and then I like strew it with uh, with finely grated Parmigiano Reggiano. Oh, yum! Oh, like, what it a is good night. W- where like I have to throw away the sheets <laughs> after that. Like my, you should see my linens bill. <laughs> oh, I love it when you talk about linens. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. One thing I want to th- yeah, please. One thing I want to shout out. I mean, obviously we're ignoring here like sweet potatoes, potatoes. Uh, green Why are we beans. ignoring them when they're on the list right here? Well, no, here. but we're not going to go into depth. Okay. I do, do want to talk green beans. I want to talk parsnips. Okay. Okay. I think parsnips are particularly wonderful roasted. Absolutely. I hate working with them, though, because... Taking because the core taking out? Taking the core out. It's the worst. It is the worst. Like, you know, I, I've said this before, like, you know, genetic engineers, like people fucking around God, with, with food. Get like, rid get rid of on, the parsnip get core. Get rid of that parsnip core. Like, uh, why haven't you done this yet? No, but seriously. It, but seriously, we're serious about that. Get rid of the parsnip It's almost core. worth the trouble. Yeah, exactly. uh, They're so good. And parsnips, I think I first started roasting parsnips after getting David Tannis's first cookbook. Sure. Uh, which now I can't, A Platter of Figs, it might be called. Yeah, that sounds right. And he had a recipe in there that he calls Epiphany Parsnips because of the idea that it is such an epiphany to have roasted parsnips. Sure. I don't think he invented them, but yeah. No, but uh, but that was where I first encountered them, and I believe he roasts them at 375. Okay. Which kind of makes sense to me because they're pretty, even when you remove the core, they're on the dense side. They are on the dense side. Yeah. And yeah, I, and they have a lot of that sugar. Sh- they have a lot of yeah. sugar, so they're prone to burning. So I do like those a little bit lower. Yep. Parsnip that's a little burnt. I still like it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Matthew, yeah. green beans. Green beans. Okay, I, I will also Kafka these because, like, I want. Okay. I will do green beans. Uh, same as the asparagus. Ten minutes, five hundred. They get more charred than asparagus. Almost, almost like like you could serve them like fries. Wow, really? Yeah, especially especially if they're like on the thinner side. But oh, like, God, it's I so never good. do that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, I, I want to talk just really quickly about roasted vegetables that I just don't love. Okay. I don't think there are any re- roasted vegetables that I don't like. It's just there are ones I don't choose to make all the time. Yeah, okay. I think we're going to be largely in the same boat or page. So I pretty much never roast eggplant just to eat eggplant. 
I will roast yeah. it to put in something else. Like um, I used to roast eggplant when I made ratatouille a lot, which I haven't made in ages. I used to roast the eggplant. Okay. Because I felt like that gave a better flavor. I also used to make a soba noodle salad mm. that had roasted eggplant, but I, I don't tend to just eat roasted eggplant. I most it, like I don't cook eggplant a whole lot. When I do, I stir fry it. You know, I feel like roasted zucchini is not great, but I do it a lot every summer anyway, because I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I don't mind that it gets all mushy. It's super easy. My kid loves it. And I, yeah, you know, I will but usually it, it, do but sauteed zucchini. Yeah. I don't know why. Okay, but really, I don't understand roasted carrots. Okay, let's talk about I this. Just, I like, don't care. They're I, not very good. I think they are hard. To, they sound. It sounds like it would be the easiest thing in the world, but they're not easy to do well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it is important to choose a good carrot. Like, I don't, I am fine with a supermarket carrot in general, but I don't think they roast very well. Okay. Um, so, like, I want, like, a thinner, like, farmer's market carrot for roasting. I do think that, well, and this makes total sense, but whatever your carrot tastes like raw, it's just going to be amplified, cooked. Right, exactly. And so if there's any bitterness to it, as there can often be in supermarket carrots, that is just not a good roast. And the thing about carrots, like, I mean, you know, this, the first half of this is also true of potatoes. Like, no, it's not true of potatoes. Like, a carrot... A raw carrot is delicious. A fully cooked carrot is very good if you like that texture. I don't think anyone really likes an in-between kind of cooked carrot. Yeah. And, like, because carrots are so sweet, it's easy when you're roasting to, like, get to this situation where, like, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn if I keep cooking it, but it's not cooked. That um, is so true. I had so, not thought about that. So I don't know what I we do about this. I just don't get it. I, I don't. I don't think I've roasted a carrot in a number of years. But sometimes, like when I get like a bunch of carrots, like in a CSA or like at the farmers market, that are like thin and flavorful, those roast really nicely. I would do other things with them. And I love roasted carrots with fondue. I think it's one of the best things to dip in what? fondue. What? What? That's amazing. I've never even thought of it. Hold on, rutabagas. So I have this nostalgic love for the idea of rutabagas. For one thing, I yeah, think they're really like aesthetically the pleasing. Yeah, totally. They're they're a beautiful color. My dad loved rutabagas. And inevitably, when I get them in my CSA box in the winter, I'm always excited to see them. However, I roast them and they literally smell like someone has gone to the bathroom in my kitchen. Sure. like this, And I don't mind strong cruciferous vegetable smells, but it is intense. No, rutabagas and radishes are some of the smelliest vegetables i mean it is truly so you know how in some miyazaki movies like i'm, I'm thinking in particular of spirited away yeah. okay where there is a character who visits or a, you know a, a creature who visits the bathhouse and who is like oozing and smells terrible i love rutabagas but i think that that creature smells like cooked rutabagas yeah it's tough it is yeah it is and and that and, and there's um a bicycle Hidden in every roasted rutabaga. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, just like there is in that guy. Question about beets. Okay. So is this a roasted vegetable, what I do with beets? I usually wrap them in foil and put them in the oven at 400 for like an hour or hour and a half, depending on how big the beet is. Then I peel them and then I cut them up and like usually like serve them like a salad. Is that a roasted vegetable or not? I have definitely referred to that as roasted beets, but when I'm thinking about it right now, I think what that is is a baked beet. It does seem more baked. Because there are things that that I have done with 
beets in the past that were what I would call roasted, like taking a small beet and and actually uh, like let's take a small beet to think about this, uh, like cutting it into thin wedges and roasting it on a sheet. Yeah, pan. that is a different thing, a totally different flavor, different end goal from what you're talking about. Yeah, I think I like the whole baked beet better. I don't know I why. I agree. I feel like the kind of dirt flavor of beets gets, gets, gets emphasized. Amplif- yeah. It gets amplified. Right. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, and also like roasted roasted beets, like one of the worst ones to put in your bed. Yeah. Oh my God. Talk yeah. about needing to get new sheets. Yep. Yeah. Wow, we got through that like at an incredible pace. I'm so proud of us. Good job, us. Does that mean we left out a bunch of stuff? I don't Probably. think so. I don't think so. Well, we didn't talk about like roasted tomatoes. That's a slow roasting technique. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Like we, I we do. Didn't... Have you ever made uh, Lynn Rosetto Casper's oven candied uh, canned tomatoes? No. It's really tasty. Like slow roasted canned tomatoes. Okay, I'm probably never going to make my own canned tomatoes. I'm but, never going to do. Well, you know, you don't can the tomatoes. You open a can of tomatoes and roast them. Oh, okay. I, I've done versions of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are there are I there mean, any other vegetables? We could vegetables? talk about potatoes, but I'm bored. Yeah, with we that. did. We did like a crisp, crispy potato episode where we probably talked about roast potatoes and like what is there to say? Whatever. You know, I mean, I feel like you know what I've noticed in the past five years. There are a lot of really beautiful photographs of people roasting wedges of winter squash and just serving them that way. And I never do that with winter squash, and I don't think I understand it. Well, I mean, I do make that that delicata Delicata. recipe. I've made roasted kabocha squash. Whenever I roast kabocha squash, I just scoop out the flesh and turn it into a puree. Sure. Um, I do that with like winter luxury pumpkins, all that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, I don't have a strong feeling on this one way or the other, I guess. Okay. So let's end the show there with uh, not having a strong feeling. That's great. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a now but wow for us? I do. I do. Okay, so I think that probably like every human being should read the book ACE, that's A-C-E, by Angela Chen. And ACE, in this case, stands for uh, asexuality or Mm -hmm. asexual. This is a book that, uh, this is the first book that I have been aware of that's been on my radar about asexuality. Okay, And I think that it's really important for all of us to learn what it is because it's a real thing. Sure. And I think that many of us would relate to aspects of it. Okay. So anyway, this book is fantastic. It's it's wonderfully written. It's super engaging and it's really smart. Yeah. So check it out. It's Ace by Angela Chen. This is something I would definitely like to read a book about and I'm going to read this book. Great. Excellent. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Be that, uh, let's, remember how we used to name off a bunch of different podcast platforms? Let's do that for old time's sake, just out of nostalgia. Oh, great. Okay, how about- Spotify. Uh, Overcast. I don't think you can rate and review on Spotify. Yeah. uh, Uh, Overcast. uh, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher. CastBox. These are all things you can roast. (laughs) But there's got to be more. I almost said outcast. Outcast. <laughs> That's right. Um, definitely, definitely uh, listen, listen to us on outcast. Uh, I'm, um, I'm speaker box. Uh, Otter box. <laughs> Birch box. Um, blue apron. <laughs> and hello, fresh. Now, <laughs> oh, I thought that was really our outro. Oh, no, it it was. I'm uh, Andre 3000, and you're Big Boy. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Okay. Hello. Hello. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.